A business has only so many uses for its capital and its cash in the bank. It can pay down debt. It can invest in new products. It can enter new markets. It can pay a dividend. But one of the other uses of cash for a business is buying back its own shares. And you can think of it as an investor as your little slice of equity has just gotten a bit bigger. It has been measured as an incredibly shareholder friendly thing to do. Speaking of dividends, they also announced a 50 cent per share quarterly dividend. That means Zuck is going to get a check in the post for $700 million. Z-Man himself plans to spend $100 billion in expenses this year. The ad revenue is likely going to increase. We are looking at a financial powerhouse to more or less half the Earth's population. Hi there and welcome to Stock Club, a podcast brought to you by My Wall Street. I'm Mike and joining me on today's show is Emmett Savage, our Chief Investor. We have a big announcement coming on February 26th, so make sure you're on our mailing list. You can just go to mywallstreet.com to enter your email address. Uh, today's podcast brought to you by Vodafone Business. Now, if you like us here on My Wall Street, you know that running a business is difficult. Countless things to think about and many often seem to get ignored or even completely forgotten about. Well, that's where Vodafone Business can help. They've crafted a suite of tools and supports to boost your business's operations, and the best part is it's free for everyone. From cybersecurity to harnessing the power of AI, building a website, and proving how your teams work remotely, Vodafone Business will help you address the often overlooked but crucial elements for your business's success. To get started today, check out their one-to-one VHub digital support and advice service. You'll find everything you need right there. Find the link in our show notes or simply just Google Vodafone VHub for more details. Now, let's get into today's episode. Emmett, how are we doing? Another week in Stock Club. Hey, Mike. I just want to Thank warn you, you now, much. I see I'm looking straight across my out my window at uh, construction on the apartment beside me. So yesterday <laughs> yesterday they had the jackhammers out. So if, I, if you just hear an awful drone from behind my screen, uh, just ignore it. Yeah. We'll edit it out. I won't hear from here. You're in Spain. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, how's all with you? Are you all good? Good, great. Yeah, actually, I think the year is going into a nice gear for stock investors and um, feeling optimistic about the 11 months that lie ahead. Mm, it really, really has, hasn't it? And and now yeah, could be the kiss of death, but now analysts are coming out and saying, you know, we're not worried about recession anymore. It's going to be a really good year economically yeah. and all that, which is famously the, yeah. the end of 22, the start of 2023, where... Pretty much everyone on Wall Street predicted a recession. That's right. Yeah. I remember about three years ago, the head of equities for Morgan Stanley was asked to give a probability rating of a recession in, in the year ahead. And we had a laugh about it here in Stock Club because he said, I, I peg it at 50.0%. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Please, just tilt the table yeah. 1% in either direction. Give us an opinion. And he managed to go, like he managed to fill a whole slot on television about why he believed that probability of a recession was 50%. And I just thought that's ridiculous. Oh, I and you know what? He was right. He was right. He's always right. I watched uh, a webinar yesterday evening, um, two flutes from, very, very Americanized, uh, but they went through all the, all the kind of probabilities, I suppose, of the year ahead. So they were talking about the election and they went through, Mm. you know, if the Democrats win, how did it do? If the Republicans win, how did it do? You know, who wins the Super Bowl? Have you heard this? This is a big one. 
I yeah, it's a, it's it's a economic indicator. Yeah, it? if the NFC, depending on who wins the Super Bowl, if it's the NFC or the AFC, there's an eighty-two percent chance of a good year on the stock market. So I think, wow. I think stock investors are rooting for the 49ers on Sunday. Oh. Um, so, so how did that how did that land? How come the San Francisco team will be good for the stock? It market? just it's just if if. No, I'm going to show my ignorance here, but I think San Francisco is the NFC, which is just, you know, the, the oh, I see. one division against the other, basically. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. It, it's been a like true economic indicator that 82% of the time, if the NFC team wins, that it's a good year on the stock market. So there you go. One of these anomalies. Go San Fran. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll all be wearing our jerseys Sunday night. <laughs> uh, well, San Fran's a good place to start because we are kicking off the show with Facebook, which is making all the right headlines for what seems like the first time in a while anyways. Uh, and I want to get into this mm. and maybe just talk about the journey it's had over the last two, two and a half years, we'll say. So Last Friday, it added 20% after its earnings call Thursday night. It made the single largest gain in market cap history in one day. So does that make sense? So the company added nearly $200 billion worth of market cap in one day. Mm -hmm. And amazingly, this comes almost two years to the day when Facebook fell 26% in one day after its Q4 2021 earnings call, signifying the largest single day market cap loss in history you're kidding yeah so think about that that's wow that's a serious bookend of what has been a ridiculous <laughs> journey i suppose um yeah so back at all-time highs 1.2 trillion dollar market cap roughly um but that story in between to me is so interesting so the previous all-time high was set in september 2021 from there and after that big earnings port in q4 of 2021 was a big factor. The stock fell about 75%, reached its bottom around November 2020. Since that point mm. of November 2022, sorry, not November 2020, since that point, the stock is up roughly 400%. It went from about $90 to sitting at about 460 now, as we speak, this Wednesday. Um, and do you remember, this is awful now to be, to be making fun of this, but do you know Jim Cramer from Mad Money? The fella, yeah. yeah, he talks about every stock under the sun goes nuts. He, yeah. he cried live on air, apologizing for recommending Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and right, right, right around when it was hitting this nadir of 90 bucks and change. Um, so if he just, you know, they could have been happy tears if he just didn't say anything, closed his mouth and, and, and held. So I just want to highlight how ridiculous it's been at Facebook HQ because yeah. one of the, if not the most talked about public company, it was part of the trillion dollar club and it's moving around like a, a penny stock for, yeah, for years and years, incredible. creating hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap and like mm. economic activity and all the rest. And like, obviously there's a lot of reasons for this and the bounce back too. you know, it kind of seems to have found a solution to the Apple iOS uh, 14 update where they stop people, they stop people tracking from app to app. Um, basically threatened to charge people, which was enough uh, for everyone to mm. opt into advertising. Seems like it can kind of coexist with TikTok now and Instagram Reels. For a long time, people didn't think Instagram Reels would take off, and it really has. Um, it's obviously not on the back burner completely, but Zuckerberg does seem to have kind of cooled off on his metaverse spending and plans a bit. Um, I think that's because no one wanted to go there, which is fair enough. But 
and I'm not saying he's completely stopped spending there, but it's at least in a way that's satisfied investors in the sense that, okay, well, look, I'm still going to spend money on this stuff, but here's you know a $50 billion uh, buyback allocation and here's a new dividend and all the rest, even though I think that, yeah, that, dividend, yeah. that dividend pays him about 700 million bucks a year. Um, considering how much shares he owns, but I just I just think it's a mad story and one for for a company this prominent I really haven't seen before. Um, you might have now, obviously you've been investing a lot longer than me, but I, I just I really want to highlight it as something that's mad, really. Like you know, I, I can't really think yeah. of anything for a company this prominent seen before. So yeah, I just want to kind of go through. Yeah, it's true. It's a kind of case study in how the market really finds it difficult to put a value on something that's breaking new ground. And Facebook has always broken new ground. And whether, I wouldn't say they invented social media, MySpace or whatever was there before them, but certainly they were the ones that brought it to the masses. So they were they're the ones that brought social media to everybody. And, and the first thing is that uh, the world finds it difficult to value something that they haven't seen before. And the thing about Zuck, like most visionaries, and you have to hand it to him, he's a visionary, he says things that leaves everybody confused. And the, the greatest example being the A or V or play, which I'm sure we'll discuss as we have a chat about it. But yeah, in the, it, but as you said, the bookend, the largest dollar fall or market cap uh, reduction and the largest market cap increase is quite something. But you also have to remember the story is far from over. Mm. You could argue that Meta's storyboard is in its springtime. Like, will Meta be a business that's around when our children are our age or their children are their age? It's it's the likelihood is probably. Yeah, I would it's say hard to so. say no. I mean, the business, it? It's hard to say no. I mean, it's uh, about one third of the world engages with their products in some form or another. They, uh, they have permeated so many aspects of life. And people who think or might say, I don't like Facebook, it's very reductive. They're probably using a meta product. Yeah. And that's where you really see the cut through. Absolutely. So you got a, you got a chance to look at the earnings call in question, the, the, the $197 billion earnings call. Um, what, what highlights did you see from it? Well, kind of just going by the numbers first before we have a chat, the fourth quarter revenue was $40 billion, uh, $40.1 billion to be precise, and that's 25% up year over year. So comparing the same quarter a year ago to this, overall revenue grew 16% in the year to a record $135 billion. Meanwhile, costs and expenses were down 8% in Q4, but it actually increased 1% overall for the year. Um, But the company ended uh, with 22% fewer people working Mm. for it. So that that headcount reduction that we spoke about in previous podcasts landed. Um, So it kind of laid out uh, about $4 billion less on CapEx, capital expenditure, and then whatever savings were were landed from the 22% headcount reduction. But wait till you hear this. So a metric that Facebook reports is family average revenue per person. And that's like a family of products. Um, And their family average revenue per person in Q4 was $10.10 per person. Um, The year prior, 2022, was eight bucks and 63. So they increased what I suppose you'd, you'd, casually call the ARPU, the average revenue per user, by 17%. Second thing is the 
daily active people or the family daily active people in our family of products was 3.19 billion people. And in 2022, it was 2.96. So they managed to increase the number of people who are really thoroughly engaged with their products by nearly 8%. Um, what's the population of the world? It's about 7, 7 billion, is that it? What's the, what's the last head count? Approaching 8, but yeah, in between 7 and 8, I think. So there you go. They're, they're about, what, 40% 40, 40 of the world is using their family of products. And other points of note from the conference call was Reality Labs, which is, is its AR and VR business, which you alluded to. It's still a money sink and, and revenue actually declined 12% for the year in that place to $1.9 billion, which when you look at the scheme of the numbers we're talking about is not, well, it's significant, but it's not the lion's share. And, and the segment has uh, had an operating loss uh, of about 13.7 billion. Oh, no, 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 sorry. It increased from about 13.7 billion to about 16 billion. But but that's fine because in th this this business unit is really their labs from onto a different term. Yeah. And as as you said, the, the street or the, the, the kind of general consensus vote when, when Zuck first announced that Facebook was rebranding to Meta, but more than rebranding, reorientating. And at the time, it was seen as a pivot into the Metaverse. But what we're seeing now is the bedding down of this of this vision that he had and and restructuring Meta to be more efficient has helped bring its cost structure back into line. Um, and then the recovery of its advertising market is a major reason or probably the real reason yeah. that its financial results improved so much. So people suddenly go, Oh, so you have a little project over there in the back room and it's doing something with headsets and that's fine. Show us the money, Jerry. And he showed them the money, Jerry. Ad impressions were up 20% in uh, Q4 and 28% in the full year, which is uh, mostly thanks to the second half of the year. The first half of the year wasn't a glory story, but definitely the second half was. So logically platform engagement was a big driver of better ad results and and as i said family daily active people uh was up eight percent in december to 3.19 billion uh which is absolutely unbelievable the, co the company repurchased 20 billion dollars of stock in 2023 and still has an, another 30.9 billion in, in the authorization from that pile yeah. and it has and if just as as again as he said in the opener they've they've authorized another 50 billion repurchase last week so think, the business in the last i think yeah. i read in the last maybe year or two years they bought back maybe 40 billion worth of stock the average price they paid was 190 the stock is sitting yeah. at about 460 now do you know on that alone wow on that alone wow. how much is that 40 40 billion plus so it's worth mentioning for our listeners what is a stock buyback and it's just where a business a business has only so many uses for its capital and its cash in the bank it can pay down debt it can invest in new products it can enter new markets it can pay a dividend but one of the other uses of cash for a business is buying back its own shares literally going to the stock market and sucking back in a whole pile of shares that were issued and you can think of it as an investor as your little slice of equity has just gotten a bit bigger because there are fewer shares out there available and liquid for sale to the world. Mm -hmm. So business has made that cake, <laughs> this, your slice of cake, a marginally better. And it's an, it's has been measured as an incredibly shareholder friendly thing to do because yeah. uh, the business, and it's also a massive signal. Now businesses do share buybacks 
as a virtue signal. But when you think of Meta now, $100 billion is not pocket change. And that's just in a 12, 13 month period. So that's pretty impressive. And then speaking of dividends, they also announced a 50 cent per share quarterly dividend. And I think you mentioned to me yesterday, Mike, that that means Zuck is going to get a check in the post for $700 million. Is that right? Yeah, every year it's worth $700 million. Every year. Yeah. So yeah, so Z-Man himself plans to spend about $97 billion in total expenses yeah. this calendar year. So let's say $100 billion in expenses this year, but the ad revenue is likely going to increase. So altogether, we are looking at a financial powerhouse. So whether you like Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, or its other assets is, is by the way, because this business is steamrolling its products to more or less half the Earth's population. Yeah, it's mad the reach. All right, um, let's talk WhatsApp. So this is always kind of in the in the ether a bit with Facebook, but they've really been pushing up uh, pressure on it now. So what's their plans there for monetization? Yeah, well, old timers like me will remember that Facebook bought WhatsApp for $19 billion in 2014, and then they turned it into a worldwide mega hit. And in the US, about 80% of Gen Z consumers use iPhones ahead of Android devices. And because most people use iPhones, Apple's iMessage is the dominant platform in America. And that's quite interesting because as most listeners know, or most listeners who have an iPhone know, when you open text messaging, if you send someone a message and it's it's a blue bubble, you can infer that the other party has an iPhone and it's like it's seen as a, I suppose, there's this visual cue that you're speaking from iPhone to iPhone and it brings with it a certain asset value, you might say, and, and the blue bubble, um, the blue bubbles mean it's iPhone type. And then the green, if it goes green, it means you've texted a non-iPhone. Yeah. I think they never sent out an instruction book, but anyone who has an it's, iPhone. It's shocking. It's, it's, a, it's a cast system. For any, like, is it, oh, it, it, is. Does, it wreaks havoc in, um, in group chats and all the rest as well. It does, and it's delayed, but that's another conversation. So you're right, it, it might appear trivial, but you're right, it's it's technical equivalent of a CAS system. And, but it means a lot to Apple. The company has really aggressively defended that blue-green split, and it's gone so far as to shoot down apps on its own app store or applications to list on their app store, which my Wall Street has done umpteen times over the years, so we know the, the drill. But it's shot down apps it, uh, that actually have a blue bubble. And specifically, specifically in December, it refused Beeper Mini, which allowed Android users to disguise their messages as blue bubbles. So really, that shows how they, they're very aware of this asset. But anyway, coming back to your question, which is what's going on with WhatsApp? Well, us over here in Europe, and I think everywhere else in the world outside of America, we use WhatsApp. It's just the go-to place where you can communicate and create a group chat with your community or your, your, your sports team or your family or whatever, but we all use WhatsApp. It's just a given. I think in America, you cannot take it as a given. In fact, I, I'd almost say using WhatsApp as your primary messaging messenger in America is probably an exception as opposed to the way it goes. So what, what Zuckerberg is planning to do is to increase penetration of WhatsApp in the US of A by becoming primarily more business friendly. And the, so what he said, or what the business said is that um, a person running a company account can link multiple devices together, meaning employees can respond to customer messages from anywhere and do a kind of um, 
a pager duty rota, if you like. So um, the way they're going to enter or start to break the market a little more is making it far more appealing to interact with businesses. So if you want to, for example, I guess, order pizza from your local pizzeria that WhatsApp uh, makes it easier. So this is, I guess, the draw to bring people into that ecosystem and 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 lay it down. I mean, I think WhatsApp, I, I, when I think, do you, if someone said to me, do you use Facebook? For me, uh, one of the 3.19 billion people, I'd go, nah, not at all. I deleted all my photos. But then I think, oh, yeah, I'm in WhatsApp probably every hour of the week. Every, every single day is my main form yeah. of communication, yeah. It, it, yeah, if I went into my phone, it's certainly they they have. I mean, just you as a as a straw poll of of a second person, would you use uh, Facebook? Sorry, Meta products. Yeah, I was uh, every hour. Of the day? I use WhatsApp, and then I would I'm on Instagram. So those two. Mm, so yeah, yeah, I'd have a look at Instagram just to see Black Lab videos. But, <laughs> um, you got to do it. Uh, no one else is looking at them. So yeah, uh, yeah so that's uh, so that's that's their plan for WhatsApp and the kind of backstory on versus iMessage. Okay. So before we move on from Facebook, I just want to chat about one thing you mentioned when we were planning this, and it's that mm. Facebook is a threat to the device duopoly. So what did you mean by this? Yeah, and actually, I got that from uh, Kathy Woods' email. Uh, Arkinvest, who basically pointed out that um, during the call, management highlighted these smart glasses and generative AI are the next consumer hardware software combo in this post smartphone world. And if you use TikTok, you've probably seen real use case examples now of the new Apple Vision Pro where it's showing people wearing it on trains and walking down the street, which is not what Apple was going for, I believe. Yeah, people um, uh, people driving all... their Teslas with it as well. Did you see them? No. Yeah, yeah. Tesla, whatever, auto. Yeah. I actually saw another one where someone uh, was hoovering or vacuuming their floor and it showed which bit of the floor wasn't done, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like painting the floor. And I thought, hold on a minute, if you're going to drop three is it three and a half thousand dollars or two and a half thousand dollars i forget at least if like if you're gonna drop two and a half grand on just drop five 500 bucks on an irobot come on but anyway (laughs) that's neither but the point is that we are now seeing a peripheral device that is it's post smartphone world we're watching it in, in real time we're seeing that the device that we've all been that's been stuck to the palm of our hand for nigh on 20 years is now under threat and according to Zuckerberg on the call, sales of the Ray-Ban Meta smart glasses was higher than expected. And I have his quote here. He said, now it seems quite possible that smart glasses that have AI assistance built in will be the killer app and that the holograms and sense of presence will come later as a maybe on the same time horizon we were talking about before, but just could end up being just as important as we expected. But there could be a big market here even before that. So I think we'll figure out that over the next few years. So to my point, Mike, I guess, as I said, uh, ARC's team's obser- observation was that Meta might be ready to break down that Apple-Samsung duopoly that exists in the in the, in the the space. I mean, ver- I would hazard a guess that every single one of our listeners either uses an Apple or a Samsung as their primary communication device. And what Zuckerberg is putting forward is that there is there's a time coming soon where Meta will insert themselves into that kind of device duopoly and and be the third party. 
Interesting. Yeah, hardware has always been yeah. their Achilles heel, so it's not a surprise. Mm. Okay. Yeah, they've given it a few battles over the years. Yeah. Go on. All right, we're going to get into... Uh, oh, no, sorry. Before we do that, uh, we're going to mention a competition from our sponsors at Vodafone Business. So you can actually oh. bring your business to the big screen. So we know that Vodafone is a close partner with the Irish rugby team. Uh, so Vodafone Business is giving their small business customers the opportunity to be featured on the LED screens in the Aviva Stadium during the Ireland versus Scotland match on 16th of March. Cool. So we could see my Wall Street plastered across. Or would that be kind of Let's the... Let's do it. Would that be the, Are we allowed to enter that competition? I'm thinking is it the not. Father Ted raffle, you know? Sometimes the people running the raffle actually end up <laughs> winning it. Um, so this competition also includes tickets for you to come along and enjoy the match. So for, if it's worth entering for that alone. If you're a business owner or know someone who would love this opportunity, the link to enter is in our show notes and entries close on the 23rd of February, 2024. So you have this week and next week to get involved. Uh, see your business in the spotlight with Vodafone Business and hopefully get a great day out and watch Ireland win a Grand Slam in the Viva too. Look, we know our listenership figures, folks. So uh, the odds, they're not impossible. Go to the link and stick it. <laughs> like, listen, just do it. Just, just talk to him. Just, just talk to him. Go into your local Vodafone sales. Have a chat, actually. I was in with them on Saturday and they were great. So just go do it, folks. Oh, Mike, in the spirit of special announcements, can I make a special announcement? Absolutely. Well, it's not special yet, but it's going to be special when I make it. So I'm making an announcement about an announcement. They're the best type, unless you have an announcement about an announcement about an announcement. But had I done that, it would have been a week ago. But let's just stick with an announcement of an announcement. People are tuning out, aren't they? <laughs> so um, on <laughs> this February 26th, which is what, about two weeks from now or thereabouts, um, we're going to make an announcement to my Wall Street. So make sure it's by email only. So just get on our mailing list, go to wallstreet.com and stick in your email address. There's a field there. It says sign up for charging and fearless. Don't worry. It's not a, it's, it's not a sleight of hand here. That's just the email capture we have. Stick your email in there and you'll be the first to hear about a pretty special announcement coming your way um, at the end of this month. February 26th is our target announcement date. So there you go. Uh, we're bringing back Big Deal or No Deal. There's a few stories we couldn't uh, agree on which one we wanted to talk about. So I'm throwing this first one to you, Emmett. Uh, the story oh, yeah. is Hertz plans to buy, Hertz halts plans to buy 65,000 electric cars amid EV slump. Big deal or no big deal? Yeah, well, the rental car giant is pausing its plans, as you say, to buy 65,000 electric cars. I mean, that's a serious fleet, but specifically from Polestar. And that's according to Polestar CEO Thomas something or another in an interview with the Financial Times. He has this kind of a Swedish name. I'm not going to give it a whirl. So, But just three weeks ago, Hertz announced that it would be selling about one third of its fleet of electric vehicles, which is 20,000 cars that were predominantly Teslas. And they were saying it's because they're really high costs to repair. So what they're doing now is not contradictory, but I do think it's a big deal for Polestar because it was a that was going to be a cornerstone client. It would have had the great, uh, well, people would have been renting uh, Polestars, taking them for a test drive yeah. and paying to do it. Um, and it would have added huge cred and, and no doubt a decent revenue line, 65,000 cars, doesn't come 
cheap. So from a general perspective, I don't think it's a big deal because EVs in general seem to be going through some kind of teething pains. And we've hammered the point out to death on this podcast. And I think every one of our viewers would have a very, fairly strong held opinion about the pros and cons of EVs. It's just the hot topic of the world right now. So from a general picture, I don't think it's it's a big deal. Not at all. Will all cars be EVs in the next 10 years? Probably, maybe hydrogen, but look, it's that's happening. But for Pulsar, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a bit of a pity. They'll survive. I think I, they'll they'll go they'll move onwards. I think, but I do think it's a big deal for them. But from a big picture perspective, it's no big deal. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, after chatting with Derek Riley two weeks ago, um, mm. the how slow the EV adoption is moving in America compared to the rest of the world, compared to China, places in Europe. Kind of yeah. like a, it's almost a pushback now, and I think um, yeah. oh, I can't remember was it Bank of America or Morgan Stanley or one of them was planning for ten percent adoption in America in the next ten or twenty years, which was well below what was originally planned out as twenty to thirty percent adoption. Um, so it is it, it, it's definitely worth watching. the The inevitability we all gave it seems to be yeah. happening in other regions, but there is definitely pushback in America, and I wonder why. There is about five years ago, I invested as an angel investor via the Crowdcube platform in a business called Anderson EV. And at the time, what they did was they installed uh, EV chargers in homes. Pretty simple business. Um, you could say electricians with vans and fancy looking chargers. But their market was growing so rapidly. Their fleet of install experts was growing so rapidly. Their profits were growing so rapidly. And yesterday, I got an email to say, "Oh, they're gone bust. Sorry about that." And it's and company's office, they're they're liquid and they're they gone into receivership, and it's game over. And here's what you can do. And I couldn't believe it. Uh, but I suppose I didn't dive into the why. To be perfectly honest, it wasn't handed over. <laughs> but but the, that aside, it's quite interesting to me that a business that was rapidly growing and profitable stalling effectively the the pick and shovel play where you just need a charger at your home if you're going the EV route, managed to go bust. Um, look, an anecdote doesn't make data. I've said that before. And one small startup in the UK uh, does not, is not by any means um, a canary in the coal mine, but certainly the dynamics of the industry are still being bedded down, as you and Derek very ably discussed there a week ago. Right, over, over to you. I know two weeks ago. Mike, right, activist investor... Elliott Management has built a 13% stake in Etsy, something I'm very interested in because I'm a shareholder and I know many of our listeners are. And they're after getting a board seat. Is this a big deal or no big deal? Yeah, I, w- I would say big deal. Um, Elliott Management has this reputation as the kind of quintessential corporate raider. Uh, they infamously tried to commandeer an Argentinian aircraft launcher after the country defaulted on its national debt sometime in the eighties <laughs> or nineties. It would, I think, it would have made it would have made uh, Paul Singer, he's their founder, it would have made him the fourth or fifth biggest naval presence in the world if if he went oh, through. Come on. Imagine your daughter or son was an intern during that particular. It's like, right, uh, bring your bring your toothbrush to work tomorrow. Why? Where am I going? I will tell you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have they have relaxed since I think, um, but yeah, thirteen percent is no thirteen uh, percent stake is no joke. Uh, it makes them their largest shareholder. They're immediately in the driving seat because they've got their board seat straight away. Uh, they're going to get in. They're going to make changes. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see kind of how it comes about. Uh, the cost cutting, I mean, um, Etsy just announced job cuts there before Christmas. Um, mm. So, yeah, uh, definitely a big deal. And we're definitely going to see Etsy tighten up. But the strategy has been like played out a good few times now in recent years um, where Elliot basically targets an undervalued and oversold tech company, comes in and tightens things up essentially. So it went through uh, Salesforce, PayPal. I think it's still in Pinterest. It famously mm-hmm. um, took on Twitter there in 2020. Twitter was a lot more competitive. It tried to get rid of Jack Dorsey. Um but again, there's much more underlying issues there with Jack Dorsey and he was running square at the mm-hmm. same time and everything. So yeah, the Wall Street sent the stock about 10% higher after the announcement. Um, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty known formula that if an active investor like this comes in, they're going to tighten up, they're going to reduce costs, they're going to bring at least short-term value. And I think the short-term there is the performative word because there is a lot of short-term-ism around activist, embedded, activist investors. Um, the long-term issues Etsy's going through, I'm not sure how they're really going to come in and affect change there. You know, the low-quality goods and the scammy AI products that Etsy is trying to get off the platform or it's facing huge competition from low-cost Chinese retailers like Sheen and Temu, I think is how you pronounce it. Um Mm. So yeah, there are there are some more kind of glaring issues which have sent the stock lower in the last year, two years. Um, but yeah, if I if I'm an Etsy investor, I think I'm I'm not put out by this news. Um, how 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 do you feel about it? Actually, I met Anne Marie. Everyone knows Anne Marie. I met Anne Marie about two weeks ago. Anne Marie Kingsland for a, a spot of lunch and a, and a stroll, and we're talking about Etsy. And I, I think on the point that you raised about this this kind of drop shipping movement, whatever it is, AI slash drop shipping that seems to have pulverized forms. I don't want to say integrity, but certainly quality of product. They're really clamping down on that. And Anne-Marie explained to me what they're doing, which I'm not going to try and regurgitate here, but it was very, it was reassuring that they, the business has very much seen what makes them unique and special has been uh, overrun with this kind of, uh, a drop shipping movement. I don't, I don't even know what you call it. But like, if you go on to Etsy and and put in, I want a welcome mat from my house, but I want it to say, enter only. You're only welcome if you bring alcohol or whatever you can think of. It's going to be there, which isn't really handcrafted. It no. means that there's a process sitting behind it that's going to have that thing printed and stuffed in the post and out immediately and there's no sense of handmade quality bespoke cottage industry so they're really clamping down on that so i think and i hope that between that and elliot management which i was quite happy to see um will will kind of start to unlock value in that business because there is huge value in that business when you look at the economics as you said there in, in your piece there mike it was like they they're oversold they're profitable they have carved out a niche and a brand in an area of the internet that they now dominate and i think just t- a tidy up is always in order after a few years and i think we're looking at the early buds of a tidy up yeah and like you know elliot management are smart fellas they're not going to throw a billion quid around mm. willy-nilly 
Um, so yeah. they obviously spot the so they, they a billion was it a billion? Well, the sorry, number? it's it's thirteen percent of nine billion. I'm not going to embarrass oh, myself like, by, by trying that math, <laughs> but it's close enough to a billion, a little less. I'd it say. is, yeah. No, fair play. I didn't even draw, join those two dots. So you're on a different page to me. I don't know how to get that. Okay, good. Push on. Let's go on, Mike. Don't be looking at me. What are we? What are we doing? Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I sorry, I'm calling myself out here. Um, I promise, right. listeners. Uh, oh yeah, I meant to say. Oh, I, didn't, I, I thought I was meant to. No, hold on, I remember. So there's me looking at you, <laughs> and you're looking at me. That's the beauty of one. Hey, one take. One, one take. take. Mike, you know something? We, we've we've done about 198 podcasts as of today. How many times did we do a take yeah. once? Uh, Whatever the total summation of all that podcast time is, <laughs> folks, there ain't, ain't there wasn't one more minute spent. No. So anyway, um, where and we? here we go. People have just seen live. So where are we? I want you to I want you to do an elevator pitch because about uh, I don't know how many weeks ago was you said you were going to pitch um, Core and Main, which is a brand that I'm aware of, um, but it's a brand I think you made me aware of, and and in our foundations product which we'll be talking about some other time it's one of those amazing businesses and i think it's time for you to talk to us about it mike yeah so i'm about two or three weeks late with this one um but yeah Cormain is a business that distributes water wastewater storm drainage and fire protection products and services so it sells its wares to municipalities private water consumption private water companies and professional contractors and it works kind of on government contracts commercial contracts and residential contracts um which is a very boring business um but it's it's just it's it's one of these businesses that brings mega scale to very local fragmented competition so there's only two national distributors in this area and we've seen this amongst really successful businesses and stocks, especially in kind of construction and industrial industries of bringing that scale to, to tiny competitors. So you look at Copart, Watsco, you go further afield to stocks like Indutrade. You know, if you're a mom and pop local plumbing supplier and Coramain has bought out your one competitor in the town, I'd be very nervous because you're no longer going to be able to compete on price because you have this nine, $10 billion behemoth bringing all its cost advantages and economies of scale while only operating the town's pipe store. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's a really, really successful business model. It's worked in the past with these companies and it stays under the radar because it's like, oh, what is it? A pipe fitting company? You know, that doesn't sound very exciting, but it operates so well. Um, so while I love the business model, it's actually not my main reason for loving the stock. It actually goes well beyond that. So this is from Coramain's uh, S1 when it first went public. And it's basically saying that there's been such severe underinvestment in America's water infrastructure over the last 50 years that the average age of water and wastewater, wastewater pipes in 2020 was 45 years. Uh, that's up. Wow. That's up 20 years from 1970. There's more than 600 Ouch. municipalities that still use 200-year-old cast iron pipe systems, and there are approximately 300,000 waterline break, breaks every year. So that Crazy. gives you an idea of the scale of the problem, we'll say, with the water infrastructure in the USA. Now, Coramain estimates that it'll cost $2.2 trillion in repairs and upgrades over the next 20 years to fix that system. That's outrageous. That's yeah. like 
ridiculous time we're talking about. The current, in fairness now, the current administration has recognized this need. It uh, it dedicated about $55 billion from the, do you remember the Infrastructure Act in 2021? It became the Infrastructure Reduction Jobs and in in Industry Act. Uh, it, mm. it kept going bigger and bigger. But it was Biden's mm. big spending bill, essentially. So that uh, mm. apportioned $55 billion to update the country's drinking water infrastructure. Uh, there's further investments in other infrastructure projects like roads and bridges and everything. Coromaine thinks it's going to get about $17 billion directly into its hands from that act alone. Wow. And if you look at the size wow. of the company, you can see that the potential there is huge. So if you're listening to Coromaine as well, that $55 million is just the start. It needs to do it about 23 more times before it's been fully updated. You bring in stuff like the housing shortage in America and then the rise in extreme weather events, which Coromaine specifically provides products for both to protect against and then fix after the fact. And there's so many positive tailwinds that are there for a very long time that are going their way. So Coromaine is one of the businesses that's really set the benefit from this big shift in spending. Um, the stock did double in 2023, so I'd be slightly wary of diving in head first, but it's still sitting at a price to earnings of about 19. So it's still very much a reasonable valuation. Um, other things to note, like is in the heightened political tensions in the US at the minute, could lead to reduced spending or like, you know, government spending in general becoming politicized, no matter how necessary it might be. But uh, there'd be two concerns I would look at now if you're worried, maybe dollar cost average, if you're thinking of an investment. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Coromain, uh, ticker CNM, very strong business. When you think about the building blocks of a civilized society, if you sat down and said, what is the most important things to get right for this brand new town, brand new housing development, brand new apartment block, clean water in, still water out, is top of the list. It's number one, uh, number two. Um, and the other thing I'd say is when you think of out of sight, out of mind, when you know there's water, water coming out of a tap, you don't concern yourself with what's the integrity of the pipe that brought it here and what's the leakage, what's the OPEX, what's the upkeep. And I think most, certainly, well, speaking on Dublin's behalf, as the nominated spokesperson of Dublin City, I know that there is a problem in Ireland and in Dublin specifically about the quality of water pipes. But it's, it's, it's one of these things that can be put on the long finger and any one particular administration can leave it till the next guy and decide, well, you know what, the water's still coming out of the taps. It doesn't matter if it's only 5% of what was in the reservoir, you know. And that, that problem has actually, uh, I think, is presenting itself in bedded down cities that are more than 20, 30, 50 years old. And corn mains opportunities absolutely mind-blowing i didn't even realize it was as big as as you just described yeah absolutely and it's like it's a sad state of affairs but water might become more of a protected resource than it is now and mm. and this is a company that's really set to kind of provide that need so yeah that's core and main um i'm not sure what's coming next i know i'm gonna promise more of these kind of less tech stocks more industrial kind of Real world businesses, so maybe uh, maybe we'll look at Watsco. I mentioned it earlier on. Um, oh yeah, it's another business model that really kind of brings brings a global scale to a 
to a local market and it works really well for them. So yeah. So that might be. And if you think water pipes, if if you think water pipes are boring, just wait (laughs) till you hear what Botsco does. Wait till you hear about HVAC. Um, All right. Yeah. Oh, we've got a surprise for you, folks. Tune in for another exciting episode. (laughs) Okay, Uh, that's it for today's show, lads. Uh, Before we finish up, just a thank you to our friends at Vodafone Business. Uh, If you're a business owner in need of a leg up or just tickets to the match on Paddy's weekend. Yeah. Uh, get yourself over to Vodafone VHub to book your appointment today or click on the link in the show notes to enter the competition as well. Um, Emmett, thanks very much for joining me and thanks everyone for listening in. If you have any questions like answered or elevator pitches you'd like to tackle, make sure to get in touch. You can find us on Twitter at MyWallStreetHQ, on TikTok at MyWallStreet, or simply just email us at pod at MyWallStreet.com. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to leave a review and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.